Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you. Man, what a great weekend in Mississippi State sports. Man, we've got so much to talk about. Mississippi State with a nice NFL draft. Mississippi State with a huge sweep over Georgia. And congratulations to Coach Van Studeman and the softball dogs sweeping the University of Missouri now with seven conference wins. So certainly just a, a big weekend on campus all the way around. We'll get into some of that. We'll talk about uh, you know, some other good things that are going on. It's, it's a big week this week in Mississippi State baseball, not because there's a big schedule, but because of the fact there's a lot at stake this week as Mississippi State goes on the road to play Texas A&M. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. Okay, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We have had some road series, and people, you know, people tend to forget this. Your people say, "Well, you know, we've been so bad on the road." That's not true. Okay, we we've been pretty good on the road when you consider that about 
the top, probably the top half of this conference, uh, you, you're going to lose probably uh, 75% of those games on the road. And Mississippi State takes a series at Georgia, pardon me, at Florida, uh, at Tennessee, and then you win the neutral side games there in Frisco, Texas. The so state has been a pretty good road team. Yes, it was a tough weekend in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but uh, but let's not get you know let's not get sideways about that and, and uh, kind of lose re, uh, sight of reality there. Yeah, we had a rough weekend there, but this Bulldog baseball team's been really really good. We'll break that down. We'll break the draft down, and kind of prepare you for the week ahead. But first and foremost, let's thank our friends at Campus Bookmart. I got so many people that came to me this weekend and said, hey, you know, Steve, I went by Campus Bookmark this weekend uh, because I heard about it on the Boneyard. And thank you for doing that. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, and the lovely and talented Susie, who runs the uh, runs the show there downstairs in the island in the uh, the merchandising shop. You can go check all that out and, and go see for yourself the latest in Maroon and White fashions. The, uh, the Sunday Blacks, that's something that Jake Mangum has been really, really uh, – Harping and state doesn't lose at home on Sunday in those black jerseys. I mean, I've run the numbers on it. They're like it's ridiculous. They're like thirteen and three. I think that's right. Thirteen and three since they started doing nickel black Sundays. It's crazy. But uh, I know there are some you know Mississippi State baseball traditionalists that are only maroon and white people. But let me encourage you to go out and invest in a sunday black and you can go do that at campus bookmark you can order it online if you can't make it to town go do that at campusbookmark.net and order two or three of those shirts go ahead and outfit the whole family be be prepared even if you're not at duty noble field you need to rep the brand and go ahead and wear that sunday black you can get that at campusbookmark.net but use promo code bsr and save shipping on all orders over 50 dollars. bsr as always stands for beautiful steve robertson so let's get into the weekend that was. Uh, we'll get into the draft a little bit later. Got some free agent signings to uh, to share with you guys as well. But Mississippi State takes takes all three, and uh, we we felt really good about Friday, especially with uh, with Ethan Small going. I said last week that he has quietly become the most reliable Friday night starter that Mississippi State has had in many years. I mean, you know, Dakota Hudson was a guy that uh, you know we we kind of grew accustomed to him and Austin Sexton. Uh, winning those Friday-Saturday games. But State's got a very formidable one-two punch now with Ethan on Friday and JT on Saturday. And then uh, you have the good start from Peyton Plumley. You're beginning to see some things kind of settle. Beginning to see some things settle. But you get that's a big ball game on Friday. And uh, we expected, you know, to have the Battle of the Aces. Didn't get that, obviously, with, uh, you know, with, with Hancock out for uh, – you know, for Georgia, but Mississippi State absolutely just destroyed Georgia on Friday night. You know, it's it's rare that you see the church, these church league softball scores anymore. I mean, that, that that's kind of what it amounts to. But State absolutely bombs Georgia nineteen to three on Friday. Nineteen to three. Let's sink in for a second, and that, and, that, and that's worth giving up a home run. You know Georgia. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. You look at the the numbers, and they're mind-boggling to think how well State hit the, the the Georgia pitching staff. And that was one of the things. You know, when they came in, they had the the best ERA in the league. Well, they don't have it anymore. Uh, I hadn't, hadn't run the numbers on it, but it's uh, I saw some numbers yesterday before State tacked on a couple late innings uh, uh, runs in the later innings, and the Georgia ERA was up over a over a, over a run on the weekend. And as I said on Friday's show, you're just kind of looking through the numbers for Georgia. It was a little bit of fool's gold. And listen, 
after seeing those guys pitch in person, I think they're legit. But they Mississippi State is the first real team they have played on the road, and it showed. It absolutely showed. I thought Mississippi State really, really hit the baseball around the yard, all fields, up and down the order, and we'll get into some of those numbers a little bit later. But that was a big statement win on Friday to just come out there and punch Georgia in the mouth right out of the gate. So you know what? We're going to go ahead and win this ball game. Yeah, we uh, we don't feel sorry for you because you're short a pitcher because we know you've got some other arms, and they did. But State gets in there and just absolutely destroys C.J. Smith, uh, who now drops a 3-3. Three and three. He only goes four and two-thirds, gives up eight runs, all of them earned, and eight walks. And that's a big part of the weekend. The walks were a huge part of the weekend, and that's one of the reasons State was able to uh, to get in the bullpen with regularity. And Chris Lamona said it, Tanner Allen said it, Elijah Magnum, said it, Jake said it. One of the things that we did after the Arkansas series, we go back and watch film and kind of look at some things mechanically and look at our approach, and, and we, definitely our, our approach was off at Arkansas. But one of the things that we got back to, and Lamona said, what we do is we grind it out and we don't get ourselves out. We kind of got away from our identity on the road at Fayetteville. This weekend, State worked the counts about as well as they have all, all year. Didn't chase pitches out of the zone. Very, there were some times, but we were very, very patient. Made Georgia come to us, made Georgia throw strikes, and Georgia really, really struggled. They really, really struggled because State was had a very disciplined approach to the plate. And uh, any time that you can get a guy to walk you eight times in four and two-thirds of an inning, you're going to have a good chance to win that ballgame. As we learned in, in Fayetteville, you know, you walk people, you lose. So State turns it around, grinds out some at-bats, get into the bullpen. They bring in Adam Goodman, put up four runs on him. Two more walks. Thirteen walks on Friday night. Thirteen. Absolutely pounded them. And uh, But, you know, it's just the one win. You win the first one, and you don't. they don't throw their ace or throw in another guy. And so – your ace, we expected to win that ball game, Ethan Small versus C.J. Smith. But I think many of us expected, I don't know, maybe, you know, a 5-1, to 5-2 to type ball game. I don't think anybody expected 19 runs. 19 runs. And uh spoke with John Cohen a little bit. You know, John's saying, you know, as a manager, you're sitting there sometimes thinking, man, you don't want to score anymore. Uh, when you got a big lead like that, it's because of the fact you want you want to keep your edge. You don't want anybody kind of you don't. The, that's the thing about those laugher games is they cause people to relax. And those guys in the other dugout, they're they're just seething, thinking, you know what? It's just one ball game. As bad as we got beat, it's just one game. We'll be back out here tomorrow. We've got uh, our guy that's seven and zero. Oh. You know, we'll, we'll come out here tomorrow and it'll be a different game. They can score a hundred runs tonight, but it won't have any impact on tomorrow. But our approach at the plate carried over. And I think that's one of the things, kind of the mark of a good team, is that uh, you kind of recognize that it's just one win. That you, even, even though you scored 19 runs, you got to go out and score more than them on Saturday. And you could tell very early in the ballgame, you could tell very, very early in the ballgame that Mississippi State was going to take their time and be very, very patient. Very, very patient at the plate. And so what do you do the very first so – we, we go out there, and um, JT again, outstanding, uh, as usual. That kid's competitive, man. I, I, love, I, I love his demeanor. I, I love his swag. <laughs> I love how confident that kid is. I love how he goes out there and 
does the shoulder shimmy man when that when that kid is feeling it he is really fun to watch uh, but we come out in game two and uh jake mangum leads off very first pitch he sees is a single which tied the record with eddie furnace which is big i think we were all thinking you know the sooner the better but man how good it is to get that that thing up behind him you know uh westbrook strikes out then allen gets out and then so with, with two outs in the inning you're thinking okay this is this is going to be a rough one here. We're going to strand Jake. Well, Jake takes second on the wild pitch, and then Elijah Magnamy worked. And, and listen, Mac has had a rough week, and I don't know if you know this. You, you may have saw it on social media. Mac's in a protective boot. Uh, you got an issue with kind of a foot, ankle-type injury, and, and he'll be fine. But, uh, you know, Mac struggled at the plate this weekend. You know, he put some balls in play. And sometimes he didn't, but uh, that's one good thing about having an order like this, having a, lot, a team like this, is you've got guys that can pick him up. You know, Mac has been great for us all season long. He's a little bit beat up right now, but he'll be fine. But Mac works and works and works and works and works and works and works, and then gets the base on balls. And that brings up Foscue. So Foscue has an opportunity to hit with a pair of runners on with the pitcher in the stretch, and he knocks a 2-1 uh, break, I think it was a breaking ball. 2-1 breaking ball over the field at fence, fence in left and left field lines to make it 3 nothing. And you knew the way that with JT Ginn pitching and the fact that offensively George is a little bit challenged, that those three runs early in the ballgame were going to be absolutely huge. And that's exactly how things ended up uh, working out. And uh, I, I tweeted this for those of you that may have missed it. You know, Tony Lochi has been, uh, been a great pitcher for Georgia this year. 7-1, he goes 5 innings pitch. He gives up seven hits, which uh, matches a season high, and he gave up five earned runs, which is a season high. So he had been absolutely dominant the entire year, undefeated, until he ran into Mississippi State, who had the highest number of hits, highest number of earned runs on the season against him. And I don't care who you are or where you're from, but when you drop game one, and then your next best guy, and the best guy you had available, gets hit like that, it's going to rock your confidence. I, I don't care how disciplined the team you are. That there will be a shaken belief with those guys because you, Mississippi State made Georgia look pretty average this weekend, and Georgia is a very good team. And I, and I say that not to be critical of Georgia, but to be complimentary of Mississippi State. Because Georgia, there were a lot of people in the national media that said, hey, you know what, Georgia is good enough to win this thing. Georgia has the pitching to win the Southeastern Conference. That's one of the things we heard early in the year is that Georgia had arms. And after watching them pitch in person, I agree, Georgia has some power arms. They're going to force you to put the ball in play because they're going to throw strikes. But uh, State didn't strike out a lot. State found a way to put the ball in play. And uh, you, go, you go back and look at these numbers, it's, it's incredible. But, you know, uh, you know, Tony Lochi is a power pitcher and uh, only managed to strike out State three times. Three times. And only, only struck out five times on the day on Saturday. Mangum second time through the order. What does he do? Um, the Jake Mangum special, right? I, I was hoping Jake would hit a home run to uh, to break the record. You know, how cool would that have been? But that wasn't – and that's not what fate wanted. Instead, Jake just dumps one down the, uh, the right field line that kind of finds uh, no man's land. The wind pushes it back fair and it – and there you go. You know, it's not that big, dramatic line drive hit. It's just one of those wild and crazy things. It's, it's kind of indicative of Jake's career. I mean, it really is. It's just like, you've heard those expressions, I'd rather be lucky than good. Well, Jake is both. Jake Jake is very, very good. 
and he kind of creates his own luck. And that's just a situation of a guy putting the ball in play and, uh, and you know, the baseball guy's kind of smiling down. And, and uh, what a surreal moment for all of us that were there uh, at Duty Noble Field. And I, and I shared this, you know, with some people yesterday. You know, when you begin to think about, and I get chills thinking about it now, when, when you think about it, you know, I, I grew up, you know, with Clark and Palmero. You know, it was like when I, when I was a, uh, you know, a ball player and kind of an aspiring player, uh, you know, we were used to Will Clark and Palmero. You know, and I told you guys when I was a kid, I got to see Mike Kelly play, and that seemed like the biggest thing ever when I was a kid. And so we grow up with these guys like Clark and Palmero, and they're so iconic. I mean, goodness, guys, we've got a statue of them in front of our stadium. It's the first thing people see when they get to, to Duty Noble Field is, is uh, you know, Thunder Lightning right out front there. And then I think about this current generation of young Bulldog ball-playing kid. And, uh, and, I, and I've got some of those, you know, close to me you know I've got nephews and I've got people that I care about and 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 their kids and and uh it's one of those things that you look at and you think okay how fortunate they have been to have been alive to see Brent Rooker win a triple crown and then to see Jake Mangum become the most prolific hitter in the history of the Southeastern Conference and while there has been some LSU angst about it and uh, don't ever don't ever let anybody let you believe that LSU doesn't care about Mississippi State they absolutely do I thought it was unbelievably classy for LSU to tweet at Jake to congratulate him. The record had been there for 20 years. And listen, you can say what you want to about the Gorilla Ball era, and you know I am a, a huge critic of that era. I don't think that's real baseball, but I'm not going to spend any time talking about that today. But a tip of the cap to LSU, uh, you know, for, for honoring Jake. And I, I thought that was a very, very classy gesture on their part. And I think because of the fact the way that Jake Mangum approaches the game of baseball – that he is respected throughout this league. Uh, you know, he's a confident guy, but he doesn't, he's not an abrasive guy. You know what I'm saying? There, there are some people, uh, and, and those of us that have been fans of the league for as long as we have, you know, that there are some people that come through and they just kind of grate on you a little bit, not because they're, they're great first and foremost, but their personality doesn't always match the production. But that's not the case with Jake Mangum. And uh, one of the things that I think about is how, how many little kids right now, how many 9- and 10-year-old kids are getting out there in their backyard to play in wiffle ball right now and learning to be switch hitters because of what they see from Jake Mangum. And uh, my hope is, is this begins kind of a renaissance for, uh, for baseball. You know, one of the things about Jake that I have always admired is that even when it's a routine ground ball to short, he runs down the line like he is uh, competing in the Olympics. He absolutely sprints to first base every single time. And how many times has he forced a throw in the dirt or forced a rush throw or actually had an infield hit because he hustles out of the box? Jake plays the game the way the game was intended to be played. And so when you begin to think about you know, the history of our league, if we're going to have a guy that is considered the SEC hits king, this is the guy. And I don't say this just because he's a Mississippi State guy. There, listen, there are a lot of guys. There are a lot of great athletes in the Southeastern Conference college baseball ranks. There, are, there absolutely are. But you've got a guy that is a great defender. You've got a guy that is a great leader, a great teammate, a great ambassador for his program on and off the field, and a guy that plays baseball with effort, plays baseball with attitude. That's difficult to come by. There are a lot of look-at-me-first guys in college sports and certainly in professional sports. But Jake is the consummate team guy. Consummate team guy. There is, no, there is not a better teammate 
in that clubhouse than Jake Mangum. He is widely respected by his peers. They go play hard for him, and you can see you know, their response to him. There, there's, not, there's no jealousy with any of that. I think everybody kind of appreciates, appreciates the greatness in the moment. And, uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, when, uh, when I think about you know, what Jake Mangum has meant to this program, and I think about this era of baseball. I mean, listen, this you know, we 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 went a regional this year, and I certainly expect us to because I think we're going to Omaha. This is a kid that's going to go to four straight super regionals. It's unprecedented in the history of our program. It's the guy that's going to go to four regionals. You know, I mean, it's like when you begin to begin to look at his resume, nobody's done what Jake has done, not just as an individual hitter. But look at what he has done to Mississippi State baseball. This is a kid that committed to Mississippi State as a ninth grader. He was a ninth grader. Maintained his commitment, and he comes here and wins a batting title, and the rest is history. And it's no longer Mississippi State history. It's SEC history. And now he's just a couple of hits away from being in the top ten all time. The NCAA career hits list, he's number 12 right now. So we'll start checking that list now. And I don't know that he can get the national record because, listen, back in those days, I mean, it's like people are playing 70, 75 games, okay? But Jake can chase this thing and make it awfully interesting. I think he's got a very good chance to get to 400. If he gets hot, and one of the things this is a little different now, too, I think now that the record's over and you saw it this weekend, yes, he walked a few times. <laughs> he had back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday where he walked twice. Uh but he's locked in and going to try to grind some things out. You know, Jake's not going to go up there and just try to get himself out. You know, Jake's going to go up there and do what's best for the team. But uh, when you think about the future and you think about what this means long-term for Mississippi State, you know, that was the thing when, when in the 80s there was nothing better than Mississippi State baseball. If you wanted to play big-time baseball in the Southeastern Conference, you either you either played for Mississippi State or you went and played for a team that played Mississippi State because we were the gold standard. But we just couldn't get over the hump. Then we kind of got lost in the wilderness for a while, then we come back, and John Cohen brought us back. We hired John Cohen. It was one of the biggest things that happened. Hired him away from Kentucky. Had Nell Cohen with the uh, the infamous... Every musician wants to play at Carnegie Hall. Well, Mississippi State is the Carnegie Hall of college baseball. She's the one that coined the phrase. I know some other people have been given credit for it, but it was Nell Cohen who coined the phrase and it dubbed Mississippi State's Dirty Noble Field the Carnegie Hall of Baseball. But John Cohen turned this thing around. And, yes, there were some hills and valleys and all that. You know, you had to adjust to the new bats and then the new balls, and, you know, it took some time. But John Cohen got us closer to an AFL championship than anybody since 1985. We got very close last year. And it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. And if Jake doesn't get us there, the work that he has done to kind of make Mississippi State the cool team again in the Southeastern Conference, that will get us there. So going into Sunday, we obviously had already clinched the series uh, on uh, on Saturday, and it's so difficult to get a sweep in this league. It, it doesn't matter where you are, home or away, no matter who you're playing. It's very, very difficult to get a sweep, even though there were a bunch within the league this past weekend. It is very, very difficult to get a sweep, especially I think when you win Friday, Saturday. It's one of those deals where I think there is there is a, a letdown 
and and hum, it's a human nature deal. We've already secured the series. We've won three games this week. Because people forget. I mean, we got swept last weekend, and we've won every game since. It's a wake-up call for us. But State came out with some real focus. And, yes, Georgia was pretty much out of pitching, and I thought they were going to start Wilcox. I had spoken to somebody with some inside information, and they thought they would start Cole Wilcox. They started Tim Elliott. And uh, to tip the cap to Tim Elliott, I, I thought he pitched it really well. Uh, this is a guy that had not had an SEC appearance all season, and I really thought after the you know the, what we had done offensively the first couple of ball games that we would we would take it to him pretty early, and, and actually we did not. Uh, State gets out there and gets an early lead, you know, in the second inning goes up one nothing, but Elliott, who was tagged with the loss, uh, goes goes two and two thirds of an inning. And only gives up a hit, one run, and uh, did kind of get in some trouble late there. But they bring in Cole Wilcox, and and uh, this kid is going to be a problem in the Southeastern Conference. Really, really like the makeup of this kid. Throwing 98, 99 on the gun. Heavy sink. And, he, and that's the thing is like there's a lot of guys that can throw hard, but a lot of times it's flat. This guy throws hard, and they're sink, and so he's getting under barrels, and you're beating the ball on the ground. A lot of first pitch swinging with him because, you know, we're hunting the fastball. And I thought it took us an inning or two to kind of adjust to him. We finally got to him and kind of began to get some separation in the ball game. But I'm very impressed with Cole Wilcox and, and I really don't want to see him again this year or any other. Just, you know, <laughs> that kid is going to be – he's got the potential to be a big-time player in this league and uh, certainly expect him to be – uh, a big player, but uh, that ball game yesterday, a lot more trepidation late in the ball game than we expected. We put up, we, you know, Georgia finally scores in the eighth, and then we answered with a couple of runs uh, of insurance. And I think most of us kind of felt like, okay, we're, okay, we're good. You know, it's six to one. Uh, we're three outs. Well, let's get out of here. And then some crazy stuff happened because Colby White was absolutely filthy on Saturday. I mean, absolutely filthy. Hit 98 on the gun, and then comes back with a 70-mile-an-hour breaking ball. I mean, it's just one of those things that's unfair. But yesterday, and, and this, listen, I, I don't – like the leadoff home run, I don't trip about that. I mean, you got a five-run lead. Go out there and throw strikes, man. I mean, just go out there and pound the strikes on. Make some things happen. Go challenge hitters. Let them get themselves out. Let's just get out of here. But uh, some crazy things happened. You know, it's like – so they had uh, – Biggers, a guy they had brought in the, the uh, previous time through the order – you know, very first pitch he sees, he hits a home run to left field. Well, you got to know when you've got a flamethrower like Kobe White, you're going to see a first pitch fastball. Location's going to be the big deal. And so they challenge, he hits a little home run, and then we're thinking, oh, okay, no big deal. We're still up four runs. But I think that home run, I think that got to White a little bit. I think that messed with him a little bit. I, I think, you know, he after as good as he had been on Saturday, I think that was a huge confidence builder for him. And I think giving up that home run, I think that that affected his confidence a little bit. Then, uh, then you get you know a single, <laughs> and then uh, then we walk a guy, and uh, next thing you know we've got a little trouble there, and we finally get a K there, and you think okay we're ground ball away from getting out of this thing, and uh, Tally hits a home run, but that was really you know really just the, the bat finding the ball. I mean that, that's an opposite field shot that I thought was going to leak foul. But then it's six to five, and it's just one of those things you're thinking, are we really going to blow this? And it just it's, it's indicative of how challenging this league is. That I mean, nothing is ever safe. 
I mean, there we were with a five-run lead, needing three outs, and then the next thing you know, with just one out in the ninth inning, it is a one-run ball game. You get Cable to fly out, and then you strike out Shepard swinging, the game is over. But it was not that emphatic ninth that we expected. And uh, that's one of the things that kind of worries me a little bit uh, with this team. As you know, Cole Gordon at times has been absolute money in the ninth. There have been other times that uh, that he's walked people and, and struggled to throw his breaking ball for a strike. That's concerning. And so then, then Kobe White's more of your traditional closer. And so you bring him in, and then he gets hit pretty hard. And so there just doesn't seem to be right now a guy that you look at and say, okay, I know for a fact this guy can consistently go out there and get us three outs in the ninth inning. Uh, and, I, again, I'm not trying to be a killjoy, but that's one of the takeaways from the weekend that uh, is a little concerning because in this league, everybody can hit the fastball. Everybody can. So you have to have more of a mix to kind of keep people guessing. And that's one of the things when I look at Jordan Westberg, you know, Jordan is such a disciplined hitter at times. They catch him guessing sometimes, and uh, they can spot him up and strike him out looking. And uh, when you get deeper into the season, you know, it's – you know, in high school, everybody throws a fastball and a breaking ball, and that's pretty much the end of it, okay? Because most kids can't hit the fastball, and even less of them can hit the breaking ball. And so when you can have people guess a little bit, you can get away with a two-pitch mix uh, in high school. That's absolutely not the case in uh, in college because everybody can hit the breaking ball. And so what happens then is you, you know, you add an off-speed pitch just to kind of keep people guessing. And there are some guys, and it's just like, you know, you you know, like we went and played, um, you know, Isaiah Campbell. You know, he's throwing four and five pitches. You know, Garrett Stallings in Tennessee, that kid's throwing four and five pitches. And so when you begin to think about, okay, okay, the last time I faced this guy, he throws a slider and gets me out. Well, then all of a sudden you're looking slider on a one-two count, and uh, he throws a cut fastball. It's a completely different location. It's a completely different spin. It's the same arm angle, and he, and he gets you guessing. And so that's what makes this league so difficult is especially when you've got these Friday and Saturday night guys that they're throwing a variety of pitches out of the same arm slot with the same arm speed. And if if you get caught guessing, you're going to strike out a lot. Uh, and so I thought State worked hard this week. Uh, you have to kind of battle through all that. But uh, that's one of the things with Colby White. We're going to need more than just a 97-mile-an-hour fastball because the hitters in this conference are the best of the best. And again, I'm not being negative. Colby's from my home. Well, not my hometown. He's from my crosstown rival, but he's from Marion County. So I'm not being negative. I love that kid. I think he's a phenomenal player. But that's one of the things that that I think about. You know, everybody's up there hunting the fastball, so we've got to have more of a variety. Speaking of variety, Bulldog Burger Company is the place where you can go and you can have just that. It is a bur a burger joint, but there's so many other options to choose from. You go by, you can have the wings, you can have the sweet heat. Uh, chicken sandwich. You can have the Angry Bird salad. There's a lot of things other than Bulldog Burgers there at Bulldog Burger Company. But one of the greatest things in life is to be able to treat yourself to a great restaurant quality hamburger. And that's what we're going to encourage you to do when you're in town. Go by, find your favorite. Because listen, you can eat a lot of hamburgers. You can you can have hamburgers a lot of different places, but you can't have the fine dining that is Bulldog Burger Company anywhere other than Bulldog Burger Company. So we encourage you to go by. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a shake to go for your dessert. I encourage you to do that. There are a few things in life. They're as great as a restaurant-quality hamburger, and you'll find none finer than the ones you'll find at Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. 
Bulldog Burger Company to place and start. Rural people go to meat. M-E-A-T. So let's look at who was hot last week. And a much better list this week than last. Jake Mangum, 8 for 15 this week. Uh, and happy to have that record behind him. You know, it's one of those things you can just tell. I had a chance to speak to him uh, privately on Sunday. It's just uh, it's a big relief to kind of have that over. It's one of those things that kind of becomes, you know, I won't say it's a distraction, but Jake is happy to focus now on just Mississippi State. You know, it's I think it's just such a relief to have that over. Because everywhere he went, everybody's talking about the record, the record, the record, the record. Well, now it's about Mississippi State. Now it's about chasing an SEC championship or, or a top eight national seed. And uh, that's what Jake wants. Jake, Jake does not want it to be about him. I, this I can personally attest. He understands that the, he is part of the Mississippi State baseball program. He is not the Mississippi State baseball program. That's a guy that, that he gets it, trust me. Uh, Jordan Westberg, 5 for 16 on the weekend. Allen, Tanner Allen, 5 for 14. Had some big RBIs. We, we mentioned Magnum. He struggled a little bit. Uh, 1 for 16. He just had the one hit. Uh, but, that, you know, that that's part of the deal, okay? that, that That's the thing about nobody. not everybody's going to be hot at the same time. And Max carried as much of the year. So uh, no criticism there of him. Big Mac will be just fine. Lied, uh, Justin Foscue, 8 for 18. Big week for him. And this is a guy that's been pretty consistent. He's this is a guy that uh, you know he's double-digit home run guy, the only one on the team right now. But he he's a guy that you miss with a fastball inside. There's going to be runs on the board. You can go ahead and get that ready. Rowdy Jordan five for twelve with six walks last week, and and that's one of the things with Rowdy when he's seeing the baseball good, he's not going to chase. Rowdy is going to make you get him out. He's not going to give you a whole lot. And uh, early in the year, people are thinking, well, maybe we sit him, we sit him, we sit him. But instead, Lamontis and Gotro sit. They stay with him. And let him work his way through it, and he does a great job. Uh, Dustin Skelton, just 3 for 12 last week. But, man, I tell you what, defensively, this guy is as good as anybody in our conference. There's no question about it. Uh, Brad Combus didn't play over the weekend, Played uh, at the started in right field at the uh, Governor's game. Uh, he was 0 for, 0 for the week, just 0 for 2. No, no, no uh, batting opportunities. Did get a pinch running opportunity on Sunday uh, against Georgia. Uh, Gunnar Halter, 4 for 8. Uh, couple of errors from him this weekend and so it's one of those things you look at that whole thing at third base is still somewhat of an adventure you know Landon Jordan has played there a little bit but it's mainly been Gunnar Halter and uh, Marshall Gilbert and uh, you know Gunnar's kind of getting the better of things uh, at um, at the plate but Gilbert's been a little more steady as a defender but it's one of those things neither one of those guys has just grabbed the position and run with it nobody has like taken ownership of that uh, I never know, you know, how certain things are going to affect guys. But uh, when you look at your outfield, like you knew who your outfield was going to be coming back because those guys had kind of won those positions and were, compared, were prepared to compete to keep them. Uh, you, you knew who was going to be at, at first, and you kind of figured the rest of it out. But, you know, Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue have kind of settled at middle infield, and we're still kind of figuring this thing out at third. And so there's always something. There's always some position. But – I would like to see somebody step up and say, you know what, this is my spot. I'm going to go take this. And I think neither one of those guys has really been capable of doing that. But uh, Gunner with some big hits over the weekend really got us going on Friday. Marshall Gilbert, uh, the aforementioned Marshall Gilbert, two for eight over the weekend. Uh, had a hit in the governor's game and then a hit on Sunday. Uh, or pardon me, hit on Friday. But uh, pretty good defensively yesterday too. Uh, it, but it's been an adventure at times at third. Uh, Josh Hatcher, one for five 
Luke Hancock, two for six. I like I like Luke at DH. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, he he puts some good swings on on the baseball. When he hits the baseball, he barrels it up. This is a kid that uh, I'm excited about uh, long term. Uh, Peyton Plumley, ten and a third inning pitched, allowed just four hits, struck out eight, walked three, uh, allows just the one run. Better get it done. Peyton Plumley threw 60 pitches on Tuesday in our win over Ole Miss, and then comes back and throws uh, his longest outing of the year, six and a third inning. Uh, against Georgia in the sweep. That's his longest outing since February of 2017 when he went eight against Indiana State. We've been waiting for somebody to kind of step up and take that third starter spot on a weekend, and I think it's pretty safe to say that's going to be Peyton Plumley. Keegan James uh, is a guy that's still a very positive contributor. Thought we might see him some yesterday, but I think with, with Peyton rolling the way that he was, you, you got you got to ride the, the horse, man. You got, you got to let it go. Now, we mentioned playing A&M. Uh, A&M uh, does have a midweek game. They will play Tuesday night against Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State is capable of beating Texas A&M. So I don't know their outlook. You know, I, I'm sure a and feeling pretty confident they're going to be in a regional and probably have a chance to host. But uh, I don't know, you know, the Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State is capable of beating them. Uh, it's a big ball game. Uh, for Sam Houston. You know, State played Sam Houston at the Frisco Classic earlier this year. We know what those guys are about. they got some guys that can swing it. Sam Houston State will swing the bat. So, it's finals week here at Mississippi State, and uh, State's pretty much done with that. They're off today. They'll practice Tuesday, travel Wednesday, practice Wednesday in College Station, and then play Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and then we'll head home. And uh, I will be there, and I will do my best, again, to bring you a boneyard from the road. That didn't work out well for us. With The show was great. The baseball was awful when I went to Fayetteville. But that, but that being said, we'll do our best to bring you a uh, boneyard from the road on Friday. And I'll be, uh, be out there in the uh, the great state of Texas. And so uh, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the week, kind of let you know our plans for that. Now let's look at what that sweep did for Mississippi State. I don't know if you're aware of this. We had five sweeps, a season high, five sweeps in the Southeastern Conference over the weekend. Of course, uh, Mississippi State knocks off Georgia. Vanderbilt sweeps Auburn. Ole Miss sweeps Texas A&M. A little bit surprised here, to be honest with you. I really thought that A&M's left-handers would give Ole Miss a lot of trouble. But to Ole Miss's credit, every time when you think that they're, you know, they're about to spiral, they bounce back. And listen, that, that's the mark of a good coaching staff. It's one thing that I, I – it's so funny to me when I hear these Ole Miss people complain about Mike Bianco. And, and let me say this, you know, Mississippi State – was the baseball program in this state for decades. And Mike Bianco made Ole Miss relevant. Listen, on Ole Miss, folks, you had no baseball program before Mike Bianco. I mean, there was nobody in this league that looked at it and said, you know, hey, man, Ole Miss baseball. Nobody felt that way. I mean, you guys had chicken wire on your fence. You had a chicken wire fence in the 80s. So, appreciate what you have. Arkansas sweeps Tennessee. Missouri sweeps South Carolina, and South Carolina is in the tank, guys. I mean, they are absolutely in the tank. Florida takes two out of three against Kentucky. LSU takes two out of three from Alabama. So that's the weekend that was. Let's take a look at what that does in the standings. And, uh, you know, State right there in the thick of things, but we're running out of games, okay? it's uh, You look at this thing and you think, okay, we, we go to A&M, we go to Oxford, we come home for South Carolina. So you feel really good about that South Carolina thing. 
but you've got a couple road series, and so you've got to find a way to, way to win a couple of games. The way this thing has worked the last couple of years, if you get 18 and 12 in the SEC, and you've got a top 10 RPI, or some you know you're, you've got a great chance to be a top eight national seed. Now we got three Pac-12 teams in there too, so I don't know that we're going to have a ton of you know SEC top eight national seeds, but at UCLA, Oregon State, Stanford, you know, the, those three are probably going to be top eight national seeds. And then you've got to throw in uh, probably an ACC team somewhere. So I'm thinking you're probably going to have three three SEC teams get a top eight national seed because they'll find somebody else, Big 12 or somebody, will sneak in there uh, and get one of those. But but by and large, 18 and 12 has done it. Nine, I think 19 and 11 will get it done. I think that pretty much guarantees it. But State's right now 13 and 8. So let's look at the league. Vanderbilt and uh, Arkansas tied at the top, 15 and 6. And then there is a log jam at second at 13 and 8. So stay two games out of the SEC lead. Really want to be in that top four. Really, really, really want to be in the top four. Uh, but stay tied with Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, everybody right there, 13 and 8. So with three weekends to play, we're two games out of first place and second place tied with several teams right there. Uh, once you get behind that in the West, you know, A&M 11-9-1, Auburn 10-11, Alabama 5-16. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but 10, pardon me, uh, everybody's going to make it except for two teams. And so uh, when you begin to look at this thing, you know, it's going to be awfully interesting down the stretch. Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky all tied at 5-16. and 16. That Kentucky-South Carolina uh, series might determine which one of those teams stays home uh, for Hoover. You'd like to see New Energy on find a way to do that. Not to mention, I want State to get off three does against South Carolina. So when you look at that, let, let's we're not going to assume the sweep, okay? But let's say State can win that series. Well, that gets you to 15, okay? If you get a sweep, that gets you to 16. So you've got to pick up probably three games between A&M and Ole Miss to get to 19. If you can find a way to win these last three series, let's say you can add six. So you get, say you win on the road against A&M and on the road at Ole Miss, and then you two out of three against South Carolina. That that gives you 19. And so that's really, I think, as simple as I can make this thing. You know, State, as of now, the only non-conference game left scheduled is Memphis. And and there's some discussion that we may not need that extra game. We talked about playing Louisiana Tech that last weekend. We may not need that game. And so if we don't need it, we're not going to play it. And so let's say State can beat Memphis. Well, then all of a sudden you end the year with one non-conference loss. And I don't care what Kendall Rogers says. I respect those guys. But these people say, well, midweeks don't count. Well, they may not count in in D1 baseball's rankings, but they count before the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. That matters to people. You know, State went out and played a relatively, you know, played some decent teams this year in non-conference. Southern Miss is going to win conference USA, Right. State's going to play some conference champions. And so, and then not only play them, but beat them. They went out and beat us. You, you mean to tell me you wouldn't take Mississippi State over LSU right now? I would. And you could make the argument, well, LSU beat Mississippi State head-to-head. That's true. But look at LSU's record. LSU is 29-16. and 16. Mississippi State is 36-9. and 9. State had a bad weekend. LSU's having a bad season. And so when you begin to factor all those things together, you know, the non-conference piece, uh, if you can get to 19 wins, you know I, I think 18 gets you in the conversation. I think 19 guarantees it. I, I think that's as simple as we can make it. 
State has got to find a way to get six. You get five, I think you're close. You get six, I think you're in. I think you're a top eight national seed with six. Because because of the fact, uh, I think the RPI is going to continue to stay in the top ten. I think strength, strength of schedule will continue to come down, and it's only going to get better. But we need some of these other teams. Uh, we, we need some attrition, if you know what I'm saying. Ole Miss and LSU play head-to-head this week, so somebody is going to drop off the pace. That's big. So State just needs to go handle business. And if State could find a way to get A&M, you know, that's, uh, that's huge. You know, I still think Vanderbilt, and I've said this for some time, Vanderbilt has the easiest path. Vanderbilt's already played Georgia. They don't have a lot left. You know, looking at their schedule here, they get, you know, they'll, they'll get Missouri. Missouri's been better. Uh, but I don't know that Missouri can compete with, uh, with Vanderbilt in Nashville. So if Missouri can get a game, you know, from uh, Vanderbilt, that's huge. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't expect it, but I think when you look at this thing and you figure this thing out, let me back up a second. I'm ahead of myself. Here is how Vanderbilt will close, okay? They travel to South Carolina, they host Missouri, and then they go to Kentucky. Now, everybody on that schedule is capable of winning a game from them. But when you look at the fact that State is two back of Vanderbilt, two back. I don't know if South Carolina if South Carolina can win enough to make it competitive. You know, if South Carolina could win the series, let's say State wins the series against A&M and South Carolina wins against Vandy, then State pulls to within a game, might be a little different situation. I just don't see anybody on their schedule that you look at and say, okay, they'll lose that series, even though two of these are on the road. Now, Kentucky will still have something left to play for. Kentucky will be looking to play their way into Hoover that final weekend at home in Lexington. So maybe Nick can get a game. But if you look at this, you think, okay, in order for State to kind of move up, State's going to have to get a sweep somewhere. you got to get a sweep somewhere and hope that everybody that plays, that South, that Vanderbilt doesn't sweep anybody. That's that's how you get you catch up with them. And, yes, it's just two games, but there's only nine conference games left. When you look at Arkansas, it's a little different. You know, Arkansas has got to play some baseball here, okay? And so – I think that's one thing when you look at, you know, with Arkansas' schedule, it is doable for State to catch them in the West. We're down two. They did sweep us. There's no doubt about it. No no doubt at all. Nobody's disputing that. But Arkansas has to go to Kentucky and then home to LSU. And LSU, you know, LSU's given us all kind of trouble. LSU's given Arkansas the same amount. And then they got to go to A&M. And so when you look at that schedule and you think, okay, listen, I could see Arkansas dropping a couple ball games. Arkansas has, has played really, really well as of late. Yes, they dropped a, a midweek game in Northwestern State. But you go back to that Sunday, they, the Sunday comeback over Vanderbilt. They scored five runs in the ninth to beat Vanderbilt in Nashville. And then they knock off Pine Bluff, sweep Mississippi State, win, uh, split a pair with Northwestern State and sweep Tennessee. Arkansas is playing their best baseball of the year right now. You know, People expect them, them to be a really good team this year. Uh, and they're they're beginning to show that. And to be honest with you, I think they're a little bit better team than I'd expected them to be. That, that's to be fair. And after seeing them up, up close and personal, those guys are grinders, man. They they absolutely play well. And so, state's got a chance. We're still in this thing, but uh, we've got to find a way to go win this series against Texas A&M. And you're beginning to think, okay, let's just chip away. If we can find a way to close to within a game this weekend. 
with two weekends left, then anything is possible. But the bigger picture, and as much as we want to win the SEC every single year, the bigger picture is to get that top eight national seed to guarantee a home regional and a home super regional. That's really what we're chasing right there because they're, they're, as great as it is to win the SEC, uh, we want the ultimate prize, and that's a national championship. So uh, changing sports here, get into uh, to football. You guys are certainly well aware of Mississippi State with a big draft night on uh, on Thursday night. We had three first-round picks. Jeff Simmons threw out the first pitch yesterday at the ball game. Great ovation for him. Very, very happy for Jeffrey Simmons. I've seen the numbers, these projected signing bonuses. Uh, it is a different day and time in the Jeffrey Simmons household. There is no question about it. Uh, and when I see the amount of money these guys, I, I just hope there's people around them that they have good financial advisors and their agents have done a good job uh, making sure people are looking out for them. It's incredible. Jeff Simmons, number 19 pick, Montez Sweat, 26, Abram, 27. The second, we expected to get one or two guys drafted in day two. We end up getting one, and that's Elton Jenkins. He goes uh, pick number 44 in the second round of the Green Bay Packers. Elton Jenkins fits that, that, that whole mystique of Green Bay. Big, tough, physical, mean kid. You know, absolutely love, absolutely love that guy. Uh, but we would we thought Saturday would be a really big day for Mississippi State in the draft, and it was not. Only uh, only one guy drafted, and that's uh, Gary Green in the sixth round to the Indianapolis Colts. They take him as a defensive end. Thought we might see some other guys taken on that final day, and so a little bit less. I, I had kind of set the over-under at seven, and we get five. I thought we might have an opportunity to get a couple more guys drafted. I thought they would take some guys, you know, on potential. So let me uh, let me run through some free agent signings for you. Uh, Corey Thomas signs with Miami. Braxton Hoyad signs with Tennessee, so he'll be up there with Jeff Simmons. Uh, Mark McLaurin signs with the New York Giants. Jamal Peters with the Indianapolis Colts. Chris Rayford, the Indianapolis Colts. Nick Fitzgerald signs with Tampa Bay. Deion Calhoun signs with Miami. Justin Johnson with Seattle and Eris Williams with Indianapolis. And so your rooting interest, obviously, is for all Mississippi State guys. you got three guys in Indianapolis. Uh, so good for them. And so many of these guys are going to be hard-pressed to make a roster. But it's one of those things that I thought, you know, we might see, uh, you know, Jamal Peters and possibly, uh, you know, Corey Thomas or Nick Fitzgerald drafted. That that did not happen. But I think some people now will kind of figure this deal out. There will be some guys, be practice squad guys, and they'll bounce around a little bit and they'll stay. And I, I still I expect Chris Rayford to make a roster because Chris is willing to do all the, the grunt work. There are a lot of guys that will come. That will all be new to him, them, but not to Chris. And so that's kind of where you are. So a good draft for Mississippi State. Uh, four defensive players taken, and I understand that's a school record for defensive players. Uh, and uh, it's it's the most it's the most that we've had in what they're dubbing the modern era, or second most. Our school record was six in 1995. We expected to surpass that, and uh, and that didn't happen. So somewhat of a disappointment in that respect. A, a big night on Thursday. Not the big day on Saturday that we had hoped. And so we're hopeful now these Bulldogs can kind of get in there and get going. But uh, one of the things when you look at all this, Mississippi State defensively it has always been very strong. But when you look at the fact that we, you know, we're continuing to put guys in the league, and if you're a defensive lineman and you're picking a, a in-state school in Mississippi, there's really not much of a decision to make. That's just the reality of things. You know, like if you're if you're a wide receiver – 
and uh, in the state of Mississippi, chances are you, you, you picked Ole Miss. And uh, that might have worked out for you. Even DeMarcus Lodge didn't get drafted, which is kind of a surprise for me. But, uh, you know, that's been a strong suit for Ole Miss. And defensive line has been a strong suit for Mississippi State. And so we want to be more pass happy, and Ole Miss wants to be better on defense. And so those are the things, those are the building blocks towards your future. When you begin to think about, you know, you kind of recruit who you are. You know, it's very, very difficult to change your identity in any sport because you attract the players that are interested in what you do and how you do it. And so if you're wanting to kind of change your philosophy and say, okay, well, listen, we've always been, you know, a team that's run the triple option, but now we're going to go be a spread team and throw it around. Well, that's a hard sell for wide receivers. You know what I'm saying? It's just a difficult thing. So, you know, you go out and you recruit and recruit and recruit, but the kids that are interested in you are the kids that are interested in how you've done things historically. So that's kind of a challenge for Jim Moorhead as we kind of move forward. Uh, so, again, an eventful week coming up. Not not a lot on the schedule. Again, it is finals week at Mississippi State. So, uh, you know, say a prayer or two for our students as they uh, they finalize their exams. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of move forward here and be ready to go. And, uh, again, I'll be on the road Thursday, and we'll have full coverage from College Station, Texas, as uh, the Bulldogs look to kind of get ahead. And uh, it's one of those things, too, it's so exciting that here we are about to turn the calendar over to May, and Mississippi State is in the title chase. And we were there a couple years ago, too. You know, we won it in 16. We were in it in 17. And then last year, we're fighting to get to Hoover. And how refreshing is it to be back in the month of May playing meaningful baseball, not just on a regional stage, but a national stage. A lot of people are interested in what's happening at Mississippi State and paying attention to what we're doing in Starkville. Because it's not just about the big ballpark, you know. We've got a great baseball team, too. We've got a historic player in Jake Mangum. And he's got a supporting cast around him uh, that's very, very good. And uh, when I think about how this rotation has begun to settle on the weekend, because, when listen, guys, when Peyton Plumley has that sinker working, when he gets that sink in action on his fastball, he's as good as anybody. I mean, that guy, people beat the ball on the ground. He just doesn't give up a whole lot. And then when he gets tired a little bit, he begins to elevate a breaking ball. And, and the fact that that kid went out and pitched as much as he did this week, that shows you, man. That that guy has bounced back. I'm really, really proud of him. And I, I, I saw him last year when he got back from the Cape. And uh, he and Elijah McNamee are roommates. And I saw them at the movies. And if, if you've ever been around Elijah McNamee, you have been smiled at. Because it is, in, it, it is impossible for him to look at you without smiling. He is just a very positive person. So I think those two are so evenly matched. But I remember talking with Peyton, and he had this grit and kind of determination then. You know, I was just trying to be an encouragement to him and say, you know, listen, you know, hey, we're glad you're back. But you could just tell he felt like he had something to prove, that he needed to go out and prove, not just to all of you, but to himself, that he could compete at this level. He battles back. He does it. And then yesterday, he walks off the field to a standing ovation at Duty Noble Field. It's, what, you know, 9,200 people or so. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I was a little disappointed with the crowds this weekend. And I, I really hope we'd have uh, five-digit crowds every day, but we didn't. You got one more chance. That's when South Carolina comes in. But to watch Peyton Plumley walk off into the arms of his teammates to a standing ovation, it is unbelievable redemption for a young man that I think very much, I'm very high on Peyton Plumley. And when you think about it, it would have been very easy for him to quit. 
It had been very easy for him to transfer. It had been very easy for John Cohen to say, you know what, this guy's no longer part of our program. But he didn't do that. They stuck with Peyton, and Peyton stuck with himself. Peyton bet on himself, and now here he is, closing out a sweep for Mississippi State, uh, pitching his best outing of the year. And a game that Mississippi State simply had to have. You know, yeah, we'd been happy if we'd won the series, but if we're really serious about making a run at a national championship, we've got to have the easiest road to Omaha we can possibly have. And that involves having a national seed and having a chance to play a couple of rounds of this NCAA tournament right here at Dirty Noble Field. And a win like we got on yesterday, that's a big step in that direction. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I want to remind you, go buy your Stark villain gear. Go buy it. I have people there. Steve, I love the shirt. I want to go get it. And, uh, and then I see people with them. And then, you know, I get the reports and I can see where it's being bought from and that sort of stuff. And I appreciate all the support. Go buy the gear, StarkVillains.com. If you got questions, find me on social media. Happy to help. The, the book will be out soon. Going to be fine. Probably the next 10 days, I'll be done with the, with Every chapter will be done. Everything will be turned in. There will be a couple of rewrites and edits. And that doesn't take me too long. I work pretty fast. Uh, but uh, we're, we're down to the nitty-gritty now. And uh, very excited to have that done. Matter of fact, later this week, I think I'll have, all, I'll have everything turned in but one chapter this week. And then I'll turn in the final chapter next week. And then... Uh, you know, we'll have a release date pretty soon. Matter of fact, I took my pictures for the book jacket yesterday. That, that always makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm just not that kind of person. You know, I don't even, you know, it's just, I don't think I take good pictures. You know, it's, I'll never be, I was never born with, uh, I'm never born of old money and good looks. You know, I had to work for everything. So, but uh, happy to take that picture at Dirty Noble Field. And uh, it's one of those things you think about, man. You think about the things that are important to you. And uh, Mississippi State baseball is, is among, those, one of the greatest joys of my life has been following and covering Mississippi State baseball. And uh, it's when you see these things happen up close and personal to be able to be a part of that, it stays with you forever. And uh, that's one thing that I hope in Stark Villains that I have captured is some great memories and some behind-the-scenes conversations about some great moments in Mississippi State history that will uh, stay with you. Uh, so until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.